Money FM 89.3, the best of the breakfast huddle. It's time now to turn our attention to headlines from around the region. Indonesia, uh, their President Joko Widodo's approval rating hit an all-time high based on a poll that was released on Sunday. Plus, uh, on a panel at the World Economic Forum, an Indonesian senior minister had urged Myanmar's military to let qualified people run the government. What does that entail? Well, on the line uh, to talk about all this is Dr. Felix Tan, who is political observer, Nanyang Technological University. Dr. Felix. Thanks. Uh, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you, Elliot, and thank you very much. <laughs> uh, how many extra gym sessions are you scheduling in with oh, all the well, uh, <laughs> the koktai and the peanut bath? <laughs> <that you're... laughs> I think I have to go extra time now. Uh, no, I'm going for a run later today. Gosh, but that aside, uh, we got to talk about uh, Joko Widodo's approval ratings. It's a more than ten point jump, so seventy six point two percent. We have spoken a lot about Joko Wee and you know some of the headwinds that he's made last year, some of the the, the gestures that he's made. Did that play a part uh, in all of this? I, I think there's, there's definitely a, a part that all those events have actually played in you know helping him garnering this sort of seventy six point two percent you know a huge jump in his approval rating. But I think we need to examine Joko Wee's term in totality. I mean, he has had two terms two very good terms or, you know, coming to the second term now. And even way before COVID, I mean, Jokowi has been ensuring that the Indonesian economy stabilized and he has made sure that he has to, to, to govern, you know, effectively. And I mean, despite there are always, you know, ups and downs in, in, in Indonesia, you know, that he has, he has managed to do that. He has managed to govern it well. And then, then COVID struck. And I think he had to make difficult decisions in order to ensure that the country continue as per normal. I think all these added to his, you know, uh, ratings. And then, of course, we see that, you know, he is able to shift the capital from Jakarta to Nusantara, which mm. will be ready by next year. I think that's a huge feat for any government to do that. And, and Indonesia has been trying to do that for the longest time. And it's now under his watch that he's able to do that. And I think so. these are all his achievements. But I think uh, ultimately it's his personality. And I think we have to read into that as well because he has uh, this very endearing pop, uh, you know, popularity with the people. And this is a man who can easily connect with the masses you know, as much as with the elites in, 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 in politics. So I think therein lies his popularity. Yeah, uh, shifting the capital, I I got to admit, I was skeptical at first, but hey, he did it. Um, so, you know, how come, you know, you have these, um, for example, last month there was that uh, controversial new criminal code, uh, the emergency regulation to replace uh, the jobs law, you know, things like that being passed. How come those don't really affect him much in terms of popularity? I think these sort of controversial laws pops up every now and then again okay, in Indonesia. So I think as much as the new law has been controversial, I think we have mentioned you know quite some time ago that there are a lot more details that is you know in the works, and we need to look further into what's going to happen in the future, and that's going to take a couple of years down the road, way beyond Jokowi's term as well. So whoever takes over him will have to manage the fallout, will have to manage the situation then. And I think you know it wasn't a decision, especially the, the controversial new criminal code. It wasn't a decision that he himself or his political party made just alone. I mean, there were a lot of push and pull factors within the Indonesian government, within you know, society and you know, all the political elites. So I think it wasn't you know just himself. There were a lot of other players uh, 
uh, you know, at play. And then also uh, another one is that his leadership quality. I think we have seen this in international forums, mm. such as the recent G20 summit in Bali, and also Indonesia taking over Asian Championship this year. So I think, you know, all these put him in a much better state than, than, than most other leaders. Mm. Is there a worry you won't get a better leader than him, especially with uh, the next elections uh, scheduled for early next year? I think there's always a concern when you have a very strong leader in charge. You know, everybody would say that would tend to compare with that person and, you know, the next leadership takes over. How different would that leader be yeah. and what kind of things will he or she, you know, put forth to the table that is able to drive uh, Indonesian society? That is a huge challenge. Indonesia is, is massive and there are a lot of uh, factors that have, uh, and, and division within society. And I think that is that's the kind of divide that we all see in Indonesia and mm. huge challenge there. Mm. There are a couple of front runners at the moment as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, the, the front runners now we are seeing is uh, I think uh, quite about three or four. I think uh, mm. uh, yeah, Ganja Pranowo. I think okay. that, that's one. I think Subianto as well, right? I'm sorry, Subianto as well. The defense minister is also names that that's been brought up quite a number of times. Mm. Yeah, I, I think uh, th- th- there are a few candidates that are in the in, in, in the playing field at this point in time. But I think some of them have been around for mm. a couple of uh, elections. Like, for example, Prabowo Subianto. Yeah, coming I in second that, best. <laughs> <laughs> and he will he'll come back to the fore again. Okay. I think okay. uh, uh, there's a huge challenge for people like him because, you know, there is younger generations coming up and mm. they do not want someone who is from the old guards and, you know, from the past. They want someone with renewal, with, you know, with the kind of like drive for Indonesia. So there are a few other candidates mm. on the, in the, in the, in the, in the Actually, that's that's a very interesting point that you bring up. Like I was in Malaysia recently as well, and you see this wider, you know, even around the region where there are a lot of younger people coming to the economy. They're looking and they're educated. You know, they're looking at these real situations like inflation. So you can't afford to stick to the always in that sense. You really need to connect with them. Mm-hmm. I think I think a lot of people want to see what kind of changes are yeah. they going to bring to the table. And the changes, while they are more globalized, integrated, I mm. think uh, there are also parts and parcel of Indonesian society which is still a little bit more conservative and they want to retain that sort of, you know, uh, being mindful of, of that kind of situation. So change is good, but how much of that change? And I think the youth are pushing for it right now. Mm. Uh, actually, still sticking with Indonesia on a wider scope, uh, at the World Economic Forum, Indonesia's senior minister, Luhut Pajaitan, uh, urged Myanmar's military to consider stepping back and, you know, uh, saying, uh, quoting, letting qualified leaders govern the country. Uh, the kind of signal uh, this sends, uh, Dr. Felix, what are your thoughts on this? Mm-hmm. I think Indonesia is being, you know, neutral in that sense. I mean, what and how do you define by qualified leaders? You know, uh, to be fair, uh, the military junta can be rather qualified. They have run the country for the longest yeah. time. Yeah. So they are very more, they're more than qualified than, than any other uh, person in, in Myanmar. And you look at how the, uh, you know, Autonomy Party has, you know, uh, done the NLD over the past 10 years uh, then when they were ruling it. Everyone was just finding its grounding. So I think, uh, you know, uh, in, in this situation, Indonesia is also caught in a bind. On the one hand, it doesn't seem or doesn't want to engage with the Myanmar military junta, you know, Correct. because uh, they have made it very clear in the past that they don't want to deal with them. 
but they also realized that after two failed missions, you know, under Brunei and, and Cambodia, not 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 of their fault, but you know, it was it failed. Mm. It needs to engage the military junta despite not recognizing them as the legitimate government. But you know, in order to see progress, you know, Myanmar would need to ironically need to work with the junta. So it's it's a tough one because I think we've had this conversation as well before because on the one hand, they, they have the ASEAN chair, so we kind of see them being quite vocal about Myanmar. On the other hand, a direct engagement, yes, you need, but doesn't quite work. So you need the softer, sort of unofficial ones, like the one that Thailand uh, attempted to do. I mean... Uh, it would be a stupid question to ask are we ever going to see an end to this but rather can we expect more unofficial moves I, I suppose uh, should more countries in your opinion perhaps take the lead of, of Thailand uh, in that sense by having unofficial uh, conversations to sort of soften and build that relationship to, to solve this uh, so-called problem uh, I, I think uh, there must be political will you okay, know, uh, okay. within ASEAN okay. and also within and between those member states uh, at this point in time, it's collectively, it's going to be very difficult. Mm, Every mm, country mm. has their own uh, interests in, in this uh, particular issue. Okay. So, for example, Thailand, Cambodia, and Laos, you know, they have their own interests with regards to Myanmar, and uh, they want to continue with that, especially with Thailand and, and the Myanmar uh, government. And so it's very divided, and there are a lot of talk, but there is no political will mm. within uh, ASEAN and within mm-hmm. the community. So in order for them to move forward, there must be, uh, strangely enough and ironically enough, we need to engage with the military junta. And uh, unfortunately, that means you would need to legitimize and recognize the junta. So caught in a very, very difficult situation. And uh, it's it's gonna be, I mean, the softer approach works, uh, but the junta might not, you know, might take advantage of a softer approach. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think uh, ASEAN has given them a lot of time and mm. that is a soft approach. Mm. And I think uh, you need someone who's going to be willing to go the extra mile, to make a difficult decision, and say, this is it. You know, we cannot just keep, keep, keep keeping Myanmar in, in our fold mm. and expect them to change. Mm. Yeah. So give them what they want, which is the recognition to get what you want, in that sense. Yeah, in, in a way. Yeah. yeah, let's see how that works out. Uh, I've been speaking with Dr. <laughs> Felix Tan, political observer, Nanyang Technological University. Do appreciate your time this morning. Uh, thank you, and have a great day ahead. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.